Welcome. Good day, everyone. This is the Moment to Moment podcast with Shane Hagedorn. I'm in studio in mid-Michigan. We just had our first snowfall. We didn't get a lot, but it does let you know that winter is around the corner and we'll be making more appearances. I did get a chance to hunt last night. I think it was probably the best hunt of the season. I didn't get anything, but the activity level on last night's hunt was incredible. Just seen a lot of deer activity and bucks chasing does and bucks making scrapes. So it was really exciting night out in the woods. Today in the studio, I have two gentlemen from Holland and Grand Rapids, uh, Stevie Lamb and Bill Dietz, Colonel Bill Dietz, retired. And they are both here to talk about a couple of books that they were able to collaborate on. Uh, The first one is called Backslide, and I'm going to read the back of the cover. After 10 years in a Texas prison for a crime he didn't commit, former Navy SEAL Billy Ray Jenkins returns home to begin a new life and meets tragedy instead, his brother's death. The sheriff declares it a drug-related incident and closes the case. But the facts just don't add up. Or is Billy Ray's tragic past playing tricks with his mind while learning what really happened to his brother? Billy Ray must resolve the internal pain tormenting his soul, pulling him back to another death a decade ago, back to the woman he loved, the sheriff's daughter. With the help of a cocky FBI agent, a sexy redhead, and a mysterious government operative, Billy Ray discovers a psychopathic killer and much more, a super form of methamphetamine called rapture, a drug so terrible millions more could die. Billy Ray must overcome impossible odds to defeat the deadliest threat to ever face America. The clock is ticking on our doom. Will it be too late? Really exciting. That sounds great. Backslide and also now Pipeline, which is the second in this trilogy. Pipeline. Once again, ex-Navy SEAL Billy Ray Jenkins is called upon to hunt down the enemies within the gates and teams up with FBI agent Johnny Lamb, plus two of the hottest women no special ops team should be without, a clinical psychologist and an intrepid crime reporter. But these uncommon heroes will need our help, common people, rising up to save America in its darkest hour. Welcome, gentlemen, and thank you for being on the show. Yeah. So I met Steve a couple of years ago, I think on social media and possibly related to some of the projects that uh, I had done at that time. Is that correct? Yeah, I think. And even before then with Mitch Nyberg, our friend and Mm -hmm. fellow movie director, film director. Yeah. Yeah. So Mitch and I worked on a film a couple of years ago uh, called Ashes of Eden. So that was a film that I wrote and directed. So, yeah, that was a real great experience. And I think that is the official uh, way that we met. So Bill and Steve, how long have you both known each other? Well, we met in an airport, uh, both waiting to get on a plane. And 
and uh, started talking. Said, hey, where are you going? And he says, where are you going? And then from there, I'll let Bill take the story because he tells it better. Well, I was coming back from Baghdad. I was working for the U.S. Embassy there. And it was my final tour. So I was coming home finally and uh, met Steve in the airport in Dulles. And we were both flying into Chicago. And then he was traveling on to Washington. I was coming back into Grand Rapids. And uh, we got to talking. And it was one of the shortest flights I've ever had. It was wonderful. Uh, from there, I got off the plane, and all of a sudden, somebody hollered out my name. And I turned around, and it was Steve, and he had autographed a copy of Backslide for me. It was about six, seven months later. He was back in Grand Haven, called me up and said, hey, you want to go for breakfast? And uh, we went for breakfast, had a really good time. There was another gentleman with us. Steve then asked me if I would edit. Uh, pipeline for him. Mm. He was just finishing that up and wanted somebody to, a second set of eyes to look at it. And the friendship grew from there. So Pipeline is the second book in the trilogy behind Backslide. Backslide came out again, how many years ago, Steve? Uh, Since 95, I wrote the first, oh, probably third of Backslide. Mm. And it was to be the first um, book in a trilogy. Uh, But of course, my career at the legislature in Washington state was really taking off and my kids uh, were starting to enter teenhood and I had to put writing away for a while. So um, I was able to pick it back up in in, uh, 2010 and uh, complete the story then and publish it in 2012. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes when we abandon things, if they're meant to be, they'll call us back. And we have to finish it, you know, compelled to finish it or else there's all these little projects that just never get done. So tell us a little bit about Backslide. It's a common man theme story, and it will be throughout the trilogy of the of the works. Uh, Backslide is essentially my wanting to. To have a story of very realistic sounding people. You know, obviously it's fiction, but I really wanted to, to come across realistic, their feelings, their thoughts, their travails, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And of course, the solutions, you know, and have them sort of be what any one of us common folk would mm-hmm. be faced with and uh, and how we might react to whatever the uh, the issue might be. I think that's what makes stories compelling is the ordinary person going through extraordinary circumstances, because that's what we want to see. We want to see conflict in how people face challenges and how do they go through them? Like if you can insert yourself onto that character, like, oh, what would I do with that? You know, and you're left with those decisions. How could I do that? I think that makes it very interesting. And I think that's what draws the audience in. You know, there's nothing really special about these people. They've just been dealt a hand and they got to play it out. Well said. Yeah. So with Pipeline, now, how long in between Backslide did you write Pipeline? Was there any bleed over? Did you have any idea for the next book after Backslide? I think so. Uh, I'd, I'd already had some ideas that just really wouldn't fit in 
uh, backslide because it would continue the work on a little too too long and needed mm-hmm. to have the complete the dramatic arc. Mm-hmm. So I thought, yeah, this will be good stuff for uh, for the sequel. Yeah. And uh, I pretty much had it storyboarded and was able to move right into writing Pipeline after after publishing Backslide. And it took me about two years to bring it all together and bring it to completion. Nice. Contacted Bill, like he had said, and uh, he then took it over and read it and had it probably, he was very fast about it and he got right on the project. Awesome. I appreciate Bill. Thank you. And um, within a month, he really helped improve the story with, with uh, catching mistakes mm-hmm. and, you know, the usual type of uh, editing, but also good wordsmithing and guidance and his technical um, yeah. uh, knowledge from the military and that yeah. sort of thing was very helpful. Yeah, I I think those things are vital if you want to introduce anything that's technical or a particular trade. You have to find people that are experts in that area in order for the story to be believable. Now, Steve, you're a former military man to Navy, and Bill, you're retired Army colonel. Correct. So were you able to build upon the foundation that Steve already established with this military theme? So what were the things that you were able to add to this story with your expertise? Believe it or not, there wasn't a lot to do in that area. Mm -hmm. I mean, Steve was right on the mark. Uh, and, and I think having only known him on an airplane and then for a breakfast and then to be pleasantly surprised at how accurate his work was. Yeah, there was tweaking, uh, suggested different words or a different, you know, type of weapon that the character used, but overall his, his capture of the essence of what a military man would do, mm-hmm. uh, former a former SEAL, yeah, uh, was was surprising, uh, pleasantly surprising. Yeah, it's good to have uh, the meat and potatoes, the the foundation of characters of the story, and I found myself really being attracted to that. Now I had the the opportunity, a you know, wonderful opportunity, to narrate backslide. Uh, me and Steve collaborated on it. Um, I did all the narration. I read up to, I don't know, how many characters, Steve? Like 20? Everybody gets their own voice. Right. As it should right. be. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a great experience with that. I mean, we're shooting my studio right now. I don't know how much you can see, but this is something my family had helped me build. My father-in-law helped me build these panels. My mother-in-law painted my wife like everybody you know i bought some audio gear you know i'm an actor you know we should allow people on that side of the camera the tech guys who are experts in that do the tech stuff and i think nerd is a acceptable term now you know i am a tech nerd as well now with narration as a narrator i get to explore this new medium as an artist playing multiple characters and and having good source material like backslide with with fully developed characters and arcs and you know it isn't like like a film 
that you shoot out of sequence. You're going along with the story and building up those things and raising stakes all in time, which is very interesting. And speaking of time, the length, you know, that you spend with this, uh, for me, my first book, I mean, I don't know how long, Steve, by, we've been working on this well over a year. We've worked hard on it for yeah. a while, yeah, because we yeah. both have other jobs that we do yeah. in the meantime. Yeah, so we're hoping to have it. Uh, it it's in its final processing right now. Uh, Steve's son is actually mastering all the files that I've recorded and sent to him. And he's been doing just excellent work. So we're hoping to have it sometime before Christmas. And if that doesn't happen, just shortly after into the new year. And I've had such a great experience on this, working with you, working with your son. That's why I like projects like this. We can bring in family and people that we really want to work with. Because in the end, if we're working on things that take so much of our time and we're not working with people that we want to work with, why even do it? I mean, money, yeah, but your time is worth more than money. So with Pipeline, we take some of these central characters from Backslide and now transport them from Sandy Springs, Texas to Michigan. Now, a lot of people will be able to read uh, a lot of the attractions that Steve has put in Pipeline that are Michigan Grand Rapids and Lake Michigan and just other little towns and places of interest that uh, people from Michigan will recognize. I read in Steve's bio that he was from Big Springs, Texas, and that was one of the schools that he had attended to, one of the schools. And was that a choice to write that into backslide because you had been there? No, in Big Sandy, Big Sandy in Texas. Yeah, Big Sandy, Texas. One of my colleges. Well, the uh, the uh, setting for the first book, Backslide, was in East Texas, and that's where the Ambassador College was in East Texas. Gotcha. Right in Big Sandy, Texas. Yeah. Tell us about Pipeline. Well, if if the first book. If I had to describe the first book in one word, I would say redemption. Mm. Backslide is about redemption. Mm. Second book, Pipeline, I would say actuation. Now expand on that a little bit. Well, now that you've been redeemed yeah. from the first book, now what do you do with your lives? If you think about things in terms of, of one's, I don't know, a calling to something, whether, whether it be a calling to a profession or a calling spiritual calling of some sort, you know, you're really, you're really excited when you first start out. And then, you know, then things get a little bit more broad and complicated and whatnot. And, and so that's how I intended the tone of the second book to be where I gave more, more uh, opportunity for the characters to be larger in the book and also kind of get a little bit, maybe I don't know if this is the correct word, but a little bit lazy, you know, you, mm -hmm. you know, they're starting to take things for granted. And it's so sure. the, the, the book kind of has a little bit more joking going on between the two main male characters. Mm -hmm. You know, they chide each other, but, but before long they find themselves in dire straits. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
I just didn't want to write a book that was all straight action or all straight thriller. I wanted to have ups and downs and yeah. sideways movement and that sort of thing. So it did cause the story to be a little more broader. But then I wanted to really bring focus on on what really makes these people tick. Yeah. When given the situations that we gave them in the book. So essentially you have this the the type of plot where you have the bad guys who want to kill us all, and the good guys got to stop them. Same yeah. with the first book. Same yeah. with the third book's going to be. It's just how you do that. Yeah, there's always uh, situations where the characters have to rise to the occasion, you know, beset with, with failure, with doubts, with setbacks. You know, it's, it's the hero's journey, and they either engage and penetrate and go forward or they withdraw and give up, which isn't that interesting. But I've read, of course, Backslide and Pipeline, and I have to say, I really like these books. Um, I'm not, I don't have a favorite, but I definitely see what you've done with Pipeline taking those characters and building upon the things that you've learned from that book and putting it into pipeline and now collaborating at that level. I really appreciated it. It was, it was very satisfying to read and I have a, you know, security background. And so I was able to identify with, with, with the main character, you know, he's a kind of a introvert but he's tough. He's reasonable. He loves his mom. He, he he has faith in God, and identified with with a lot of those characteristics about Billy Ray. And I was on that journey. I mean, you really had me hooked. the The poetry of the book and the really specific technical stuff, which I really appreciated. That I'm sure that Bill and both of you were able to bring to that and make it very believable. And that's what I like about being a writer myself is that you can take these characters and just really make them three-dimensional, give them a lot of layers and textures and really explore behaviors. You know, as security, I watch people for many years and I'm able to study that behavior. And I think when you're able to put that into your work and create characters, it makes them more grounded, you know, but you do have to use your imagination sometimes. I mean, how do you write for a woman or from a person from another country with a different culture? You know, a couple of your characters, Steve, are female. One being a Cuban-American female. Uh, Johnny is a African-American male. So, Steve, tell us about how you began writing for people of different ethnicities and different genders and also pipeline, you know, different cultures. Well, I have four daughters, mm -hmm. well, a wife and four daughters. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of fe the female voice, tone and opinion yeah. over the years. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love my wife and my daughters. Yeah. And, and of course, Bill has two daughters as well. So, but I would run it past the people who would know females. So I would, I have a couple of readers that would read it and say, and I would say, make sure that 
this is how a woman would think or respond yeah. or react or and how would they and how they would say something mm-hmm. so that's pretty much how i stayed on track you know rely on the go to the source yeah so. yeah exactly but in terms of um i'll go ahead and add something here in terms of um having a broad variety of characters that's because our whole nation is a is a tapestry of different shades and colors and sizes and what have you right and so my two main characters one is uh, an african american our my main character who is um the fbi agent and then the other main character um is uh, caucasian but if you think about like a miami vice story you know um crockett and tubbs yeah. sort of a because i really think that that gives you the writer the opportunity to have to have texture to go with the relationship and uh, and have different viewpoints and of course when you add in females where one's cuban and she has a more of a latin uh, uh background and yeah. then the other one is uh from texas and comes out of the first book and i sure i don't want to say much more than that yeah you have a, i think a story that is going to reflect real life and that's yeah. what i'm trying to get at a exactly. common, common theme yeah every day and i think more and more of course as i watch movies as i watch tv i really see a lot of diversity and that's you know being an actor i i, I see the casting notices they look for diversity to fill because that's who we are as america and we are very diverse and multi multicultural um and we have to i believe reflect that in our art because that's the real world so yeah i think you did a really good job with that and picking some really unique characters and how they work together and that's what i'll say about that they work together as a team uh to solve a problem well they had to grow yeah and and i grow too and even when people give me suggestions you know Here's what you could add to a story. I'm willing to take whatever anybody says. And, and a lot of times it goes right into the books. I mean, my goodness, um, why would I be so proud of, you know, I would never grow. Well, that's what I have happening to my characters in in this middle book. It's where they're, they're kind of faced with things that causes them to have to grow to, to really get a gut check in them, their own selves. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, they look back to the first book, to the first uh, stories. And it'll also be foreshadowing for the third book. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, have you began work on the third book already? Just storyboarding. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm actually editing another novel, a, a, a historical novel at the moment, but soon we'll do that. Sure. Third and final uh, book of the trilogy. So you released pipeline this year and you guys went on a mini book tour so how many cities or where did you all uh go to yeah we visited uh, the va home mm-hmm. uh the state va home in grand rapids uh we did a an author what they call an author event at the herrick library in holland mm-hmm. uh, the one thing to really note about pipeline is the cover it shows a ship being blown up yeah and I used to work at a um, nationwide uh, hardware chain in the paint department. And I had, they would allow me to have some of our cards out. And I would talk with people. 
and they'd see the the ship blowing up, and I'd say, "Do you know where that happens?" You know, and yeah, and, and, and yeah, it blows up in the water. Da 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 da. I said, "Yeah," and then I would point, and I would go five miles that way in Lake Michigan. What? Mm. And I say, "Yeah," and I then I'd follow. <coughs> Have you ever been to the USS Silversides up in Muskegon? Well, yeah, I was there as a as a kid. It's the second most decorated submarine on the planet mm. of all the navies combined. And I said, that's what helps does that. And all of a sudden, you could see the theater of their mind kick in. And we sold a lot of books mm -hmm. through that retail chain, yeah. and they were wonderful about it. They really, sure. really were. But knowing that a ship is blown up on Lake Michigan, yeah, by a U.S. submarine that is still operational. They start that boat four times a year, yeah. And people, whoa! I want to read that. I want to read that. <laughs> and I don't know if you want me to state the plot here, but um, essentially, you have the ship that he's talking about is a, a dirty bomb. Mm -hmm. You know, the bad guys have turned uh, a lake freighter into. Uh, well, if you th remember the Oklahoma City bombing, mm -hmm. that was a Ryder truck yeah. of with about five thousand pounds of um, A N M. Yeah, and Amphro. Um, this is ten thousand tons. Wow! But with an added ingredient: nuclear waste from mm. from a uh, an, a reactor that's being closed down uh, in Michigan and transported. Wow. And so, you know, they hijack that, turn the ship into a dirty bomb, and start steaming it to their targets. So, Steve, what's your background? Well, from the very beginning, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Moved up, up uh, uptown a little bit to the Godwin Heights district uh, when I was and started first grade there and went all through uh, Godwin school system and graduated in 1976. Went to college or wanted to go to college, couldn't, didn't win a football scholarship. So I figured, all right, well, let's try the Navy. I'll earn my, <laughs> I'll earn my way to a scholarship. <laughs> so that's what I did. I went to the Navy and um, in 1976, I enlisted and uh, trained in uh, anti-submarine warfare. And I uh, also went to another school to become a nuclear weapons handler as wow. well. And then was sent to the fleet where I completed my um, my enlistment in my four-year enlistment and then afterwards uh, settled in the Puget Sound area where our ship had gone into the yards uh, at one time and really loved the area. Of course, mm -hmm. I met a gal who I fell in love with at first sight and wow. low these 37 years later. Yeah. Had five kids along the way, had a career at the uh, Washington State Legislature and uh, retired from there in 2004. And um, my wife uh, went to medical school and helping the family. That's what I've done since then, her getting into uh, a, a medical practice and also writing. So nice. doing what I had always wanted to do since I was a young kid was write books. All right. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Bill? I just happened to be. No. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was born in Saginaw uh -huh. and uh, lived there till I was about 15, 16 years old. My uh, family then moved up to Cadillac. 
lived right on Lake Michigan, or Lake Mitchell, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, went to graduate high school there, went to Western Michigan University, was commissioned a second lieutenant uh, right at the height of Vietnam. Mm. Uh, I was an MP, spent 27 years as an MP. Wow. Been all over the world, uh, just fantastic. Favorite places, obviously, are Belgium. And a place that a lot of people haven't heard of is Riga, Latvia. Hmm. Worked the embassy there uh, right after they tossed the Russians out. Wow. The Soviets, I should say. Uh-huh. It was part of the, the uh, still the Marshall Plan. A lot of people don't realize the Marshall Plan is still in effect. That was the plan that helped rebuild Europe at the end of World War II. It's still in effect. Hmm. Retired in 1997. Became a county human resources director, and then temporarily as the county administrator, didn't like that, got out, became a financial advisor for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Sold my practice, got out of that, eventually got a phone call and went and spent two years in Baghdad as the deputy director of security for, uh, deputy director of security of administration and logistics for the embassy. 64 years old, going to a combat zone. (laughs) Most guys want to... Take that fishing trip on the Golden Pond, and you know. Well, we couldn't even fish in the in the Tigris River. That's, by the way, right next to the U.S. Embassy. Mm. It's pretty polluted. Oh wow! But uh, did that. Married forty four years now. Four fantastic grandchildren. Two great daughters and husbands. Uh, we, you, and I talked earlier about finding your groove in life, and mm. I found mine early. And uh, thanks to my wife. I've been blessed, nice. absolutely blessed. Nice. Um, now I'm a writer. <laughs> I tell you what, how life just changes, you know. And um, I think men, we we we're pragmatic. We want to try to solve problems and try to plan things out. And and sometimes things just happen, and you're like, well, I guess we're doing this now. Mm-hmm. So tell us, Steve, where we can find your books. Well, you could go to um, our website at www.elambooks.com. That's www.elambooks.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to the website and preview the books. I put a couple of chapters for each book in there. Okay. You can also go to Amazon and uh, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, iTunes, places like that as well. Perfect. But if you go to our website and you buy one of our books, it comes to you signed. Oh, nice. Yep. And I do have a couple of my own signed books. Good, good. Yeah, I encourage you all to get it. I have next to me the Pipeline book, like we talked about earlier, that really snazzy cover of uh, this freighter being blown up, sights on. It's a great book. Very well written, and I encourage everyone to go out and buy it on Amazon. So, uh, Steve, Bill, what's next? The next book is going to be a historical thriller that we call People's Gold, and it's one I wrote in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was heading towards the ending of the book being the fall of the Soviet Union. Well, in 1991, it actually happened. So, Mm. there went the... um, you know, the close of my book, the climax of my book, plus our fifth child was born. I started my career at the legislature. Da, 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 da. So I put the book away. And lo, 26 years later, 
it's a historical thriller. So we we blew the dust off of it, uh, Bill and I, and uh, uh, we're going to put that baby out there. Good. And so, what, you know, it's a period of time between uh, 1941 and Operation Barbarossa. Oh, let me back up the setting. It's set in, in Leningrad, Russia. Hmm. And um, start starts out in 1941 and then uh, shifts to 1991, just before the uh, fall of the Soviet Union. And it takes in history that most people in the Western world know nothing about. Hmm. The Mongol conqueror Tamerlane. Ah. And how he had an influence on the entire World War II, changed the course of the history, changed the course of the war. Ah. And we put in the rest of the details that most people don't know in history. Some of them we make up, some of them we don't. Sure, you take some artistic liberty. So you're taking some historical pieces, uh, making new discoveries, and now shining a light on some of aspects of the story that haven't uh, been told yet before. Uh, Bill, what's next for you? I'm right in a Western. Excellent. And I'll have Steve's going to edit it when it's done. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, I'm a frustrated cowboy. I was born in the wrong century. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I love Westerns. Louis L'Amour, uh-huh. uh, an idol, an absolute nice. idol. Uh, some of the Western writers, I, I'm not a big fan of Zane Gray. Uh, but a lot of the other Western writers, Kelton, Elmer Kelton, and I've tried to not emulate, but just use the genre that they've developed exactly exactly i think we're influenced our whole life is influenced by other artists and people you know and there's things either subconsciously or or consciously that we do to pay an homage to people or just something that really resonated with you and it comes out with you know your particular voice or your perspective can i add something shane about all the books um to include the western i'm writing uh, first of all, in Pipeline, we sent a copy of that to Homeland Security. And we haven't really heard much back, but, but it's it's probably being used as part of their development of, of contingency plans. Mm-hmm. This is something I did in the military, is help divis- develop contingency plans. The other thing, and, and I'm sure readers want to know this, is there are a lot of graphic sex is there a lot of swearing? No. Mm-hmm. My 12-year-old grandson has read these books. Nice. And nice. He, and he loved them. Yeah. Because there's no, there's none of the, the, what you see in a lot of film today, a lot of books. Sure. Uh, there's none of that. Yeah. This is family level reading. Yeah. And, and not that relationships don't happen in the stories, but I think that you effectively manage the maturity and something that uh, can be left to be desired uh, for the reader rather than giving it all explicitly, right? Well, I like to set up the ambiance. Yeah. And then I like to pull the shades and let the reader's own imaginations take it from there. Right. Because leaving those things to the imagination makes the reader's experience more richer, <clears throat> similar to yeah. the monster, not showing the monster what I have in my imagination, it'll scare me more. Or in a love scene, what's left out, I can piece together, which would be more exciting for me to read. 
So all those things that are in the, these two books make them really, really solid reads. So I encourage everybody to go out. Like I said, Backslide is now available on Amazon. Pipeline as well. Fool's Gold is coming, uh, forthcoming. We will have the audiobook for Backslide available possibly early 2019, if not by the spring. And thank you again for listening to this Moment to Moment podcast. I really appreciate everyone taking moments out of their day, learning more about um, we're pulling the curtain behind some of the industry things that we do, private life, public life, and, you know, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, share with friends and family who thinks that uh, or may find some of this stuff interesting, you know, and I think that we're presenting art tastefully with compelling characters and stories that are that are interesting and not a lot of this type of work is being done or it's buried under the noise of the millions and millions of pieces of content that is now available on social media on podcasting in movies radio film tv so again Thank you all, and God bless every single one of you. Thanks, Shane.